Well, good morning, almost afternoon, and welcome to Alpine Church. My name is uh, Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and I'm really excited to be with you as we're in week two of our series uh, called The Bright Side. Before we jump into that today, uh, I wanted to share some, some news, some difficult news for many of us here, but some exciting news uh, for Scott and Melanie Kreps. Uh, many of you may have heard already that uh, Pastor Scott, our executive senior pa- or our executive pastor, lead pastor, uh, and one of our teachers is uh, moving into his calling. Uh, he's been called and is relocating to serve in a, a ministry position in New York, in, in Long Island. And so there's been some time that they've kind of been going through this, and uh, we're really, really, really going to miss them. Uh, I've been on staff with Scott for many, many years, and he's poured into me personally, and I know that he's meant a lot to, to many of you into this church. And so uh, even though we grieve, we know that uh, we serve a big God who has the kingdom in mind, right? And the kingdom, it just isn't here at Alpine Church. It's actually all over the world. And so Scott is going to go and be a part of a great church there and hopefully lead many, many people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ too. And so uh, we just wanted you to be aware of that if you uh, didn't already know uh, for those of you who want to say one last goodbye, we're going to do a meal together. We're going to meet at the Leighton Commons Park next Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m. So if you want to come say hi and uh, wish them well uh, or a farewell, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, really going to miss Scott and Melanie. Uh, but we're uh, excited because we're in our series, like I said, The Bright Side. And uh, as I've been preparing for this message and really this whole series, I've been thinking about the year 2020. Now, isn't, hasn't this gone to be the craziest year that you've ever experienced in your life? Like, honestly, I mean, there's been a lot of crazy things that have happened. Uh, I'm 40, but 2020, will I'll, I'll never forget this year. And, you know, when you think about all the things that are going on, there's a lot of reason for us to be negative. <laughs> I mean, there's the coronavirus. I mean, all you have to do is open up the news uh, or o- turn on the news, open up your phone, and you can see all of these things that are going on. I mean, the coronavirus numbers, it's like every day you open it up and there's more numbers, right? And with that, there's also that, that thing called the death toll. And so you think of all the people that have died, and then you think of, you know, job loss, and then let's, uh, let's really not talk about politics, but let's talk about politics for a minute, right? It's been like this crazy thing that's been going on. There's been riots, and you look at this, and you're thinking, man, our world, it seems like it's going south really, really fast. And then you start to throw in some of the things that maybe are happening to you, happening to you personally. And then all of these things uh, accumulate, and there's reason for a lot of fear and worry and doubt and anxiety uh, and anger, and you just throw in all of the different emotions that you have because of this crazy year. I was driving the other day in my car, and I was just thinking about all the things that were going on, some of the things that I've been experiencing in my life, and I just had to start laughing because it's just so comical. Like, what is going on? And you know, I, uh, I, I wanted to bring a little bit of light here, and so I've, I've pulled up the 2020's best memes, so the best memes for 2020. I wanted to share that with you, maybe get, get you a, a little bit uh, off the gloom and doom train. Uh, this one here I absolutely loved, like me being prepared for 2020, and then you got the arrow right to the eye. <laughs> like, of all places, it could hit you, it finds it, right? Right in the middle of, of the eye, right there. Uh, then you have this in like 50 years, you know, historians talking about 2020, this has been a nightmare, amen? Like, that's the truth. It's really been a nightmare. And then, you know, I was a youth pastor for many years, and this really hit home to me because I'm thinking about when I was a teenager in history, like, I'm going to have to remember all of the crazy things that happened in 2020. 
Uh, this, this teenager who posted this meme needs to work on his English too, it looks like, so we pray for him. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. So we get into, uh, for you coffee drinkers, right? Oh, yes. A good cup of coffee, gouge your eyes out, right, at the same time. Dump that hot coffee all over you like, oh, man, what a year. And then, you know, everyone making jokes about how 2020 is going to keep getting worse, and then it really does, right? Like every day, it's something else. Like when's the next earthquake going to hit, right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to that, but it's probably coming. And then we have this. This really just about sums it up for me, right? 2020 is like, that is what we got. It's very bad. I would not recommend it. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even give it one star. I might give it a half star or even a quarter star. But when we look at all of the things that go on in life, and not just 2020, I think all of the difficult things that happen, a lot of things that we can feel in the middle of that, it's really hard to see life on the bright side, isn't it? When we're engulfed with negativity and fear and anxiety and sickness and death and all of these things, it's really easy for us to be negative, to think, man, this is never going to end, or who can I blame, or who can I get angry at, right? Like all of these things. And, and what I've really been dealing with in my own life, and this is something that God has really been challenging me on, because I have a tendency to be really negative. Like the very first thing that I usually do is go straight to the negative. But how do we see things on the bright side? Because I believe that God wants us to be positive people. I think he wants us to, to experience positive living. And you know, I, I think that God is wanting us to, to be healthy in this. And so that's why we're doing a series on how to really truly see from a biblical perspective how to live life on the bright side. And so here's the question that I want to pose today. How are you? How am I? How are we dealing with life's negative situations? Uh, do we have a tendency to, to see things negatively, or do we look at them positively? Do I trust that God is in control in my life, or do I try to hold on for dear life and keep control of my own life? You know, a, a friend of mine who I went to, to Bible school with, uh, we, we talk often, and, and he said, you know, it's really easy to read God's Word and to see and to read about all of the things that, that God says and all of His blessings and His promises, but when it comes time to applying those to our lives, why is it so difficult? Well, I think it's because many of us really try to hold on to ourselves, and we really try to do things on our own. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, He said, uh, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow is a worry of its own. And he also said that today's worry is enough for today. And you know what I, what I think he's trying to get at is to say, listen, we have to understand that there is going to be difficulty, but we can trust and believe in the Almighty God that he has everything in control. You know, I think that's really good advice from Jesus because there was a clinical study that said 90%, listen to this, 90%, that's really close to 100%, but 90% of the things that we worry about, that people worry about, don't actually happen. So a lot of the things that we put our, our you know, worry and doubt and fear and anxiety and all those things in, they don't actually happen. And so I believe that God made life for us so that we could experience a lot of really, really good things. Unfortunately, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, when God created everything perfect, there was a, a thing called sin, that we went our own way, we made our own decision, and the result and the consequence of that sin is difficulty. It's difficulty in life, it's uh, you know, a curse upon the protection, 
But the truth is, is that God, even in the midst of that time in Genesis chapter 3, he had a plan to work it for our good, and that was Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so today, really what I want to do is I want to look at three things, I think, that can help us how to see, uh, how to stay positive and how to see life on the bright side in the midst of the mo- life's most difficult situations. The first is this, uh, is that we can't change our circumstances, but we can change our attitude. You see, we, we can't change the things that happen in life or in the world or even to us, but the one thing that we can control is us. We can control our attitude. You know, I have a, a friend, he was an old pastor friend, he's now a missionary in Ethiopia. Many of you might know him, he was a pastor here for many years, his name was Steve Benenson, and Steve was from Washington, and he was a sailor, and he had all of these really cheesy sailor analogies that we all made fun of all the time, uh, but this one really actually stuck with me, and, and what he said was, a sailor, a good sailor, would take the wind that would come at them, and instead of being afraid of the wind and being pushed off to sea, the sailor would use the wind to his advantage and would navigate in a zigzag fashion to get them to somewhere faster. And you see, isn't that such a a cool analogy to think that when life throws its most difficult situations our way, we have the opportunity to be swept away or we can use that to our advantage. Uh, There is a, a famous U.S. psychologist from Harvard. He said this, his name was William James. He said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes. You know, when I first read this, I was like, I remembered college and I took a psychology class and I said I hated psychology, many of you too. It was like always above me and much smarter than I was. But when I really began to think about this, it really resonated with me. It it hit home to me. Instead of letting my situation or whatever circumstance happens to me, I can make a decision to say, listen, I can see the positive outcome. I can trust that God is in control. And when I begin to change the way I think about things, it begins to alter my attitude. I can choose to be positive or negative. And the truth is, the Bible is very clear, that if I stay in negativity all of the time, that I, if I camp and, and hang out in fear and anxiety and doubt and worry about all things, it's not healthy for me. Proverbs chapter 17 says, being cheerful keeps you healthy, but it's a slow death to be gloomy all of the time. Again, this, this is me to a T. I have a tendency to always go to the worst case scenario. And this is literally saying that's not good for us. Now, I think it's important that we're very clear here. That this isn't a, a touchy-feely, like, speak good, say good, do good kind of message. Uh, that, that's not at all what this is about. Because I believe all throughout Scripture, we can see people, we can see God's people who decided to change their perspective in the midst of their situation. And not only did they change their perspective, but they made it obedient to Christ. They made it obedient to God. Uh, One example of that is the Apostle Paul. Paul and Silas, they're jailed in prison in Acts chapter 16. And let me just tell you about prisons back in the time. They were not good. It's not like the prison system that we have now. I mean, this was really, really, really bad. It says this in verse 25, it says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. This is kind of like solitary confinement. And imagine, they're severely beaten. 
And here's their response. Here is the response that they take. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. <laughs> you know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, I believe, it says to not worry about anything but pray about everything. And when you do that, you will experience God's will for your life. You see, they were doing just that. And it says not only were they praying, what they did is they began to praise. They were singing hymns to God. And, and it was so impactful that other people were listening and, and the Bible says that suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the other prisoner, or a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, if you've read anything, if you've read the Bible, maybe you've read in the New Testament, or maybe you haven't, the Apostle Paul, if there was anybody to be a Debbie Downer in life, it was probably the Apostle Paul. I mean, he had a lot of things happen to him. I mean, the Bible says that he was almost stoned to death, he was beaten, he was tortured at times, he was constantly, constantly looking for a place to live and to stay, he was wrongfully imprisoned on multiple, multiple occasions, he got into a ship and that shipwrecked, like he literally experienced all of the negative things that you could even begin to imagine. And you know, he had every right to say, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? Like, I, I'm the one out serving you. I'm doing all of these things. I'm telling people about you. Why do all of these bad things happen to me? Why are these constantly coming my way? And he had every reason to be negative. But listen, he chose not to be stuck on his circumstance, but instead he changed his mentality. He changed his attitude. And what he did is he submitted to God and he said, God, you're in control. And I'm going to trust you. And not only that, but I'm going to praise you. Because guess what? I've been here before, and every single time, you've used it for my good. Paul learned how to stay close to God. He learned how to have an attitude of, uh, a positive attitude, even in the midst of negativity. And listen, God responded. The Bible says what happened was, is he did the miraculous in this situation. There's a big earthquake, and they were all freed. All of the prisoners were freed. You see, I think what happens oftentimes in our own life, we don't experience the miraculous, we don't experience the breakthrough because we're so caught up in, in, in negativity and fear and we miss out on the opportunity that God has for us in our life. You see, we take control, we go our own way, and that's the very definition of sin, going our own way away from God. And because of that, the result many times is negative or negativity. I think a negative reaction on life's circumstances will never leave to, uh, to a positive impact. A negative outlook on life's difficulties will never, ever lead us to a positive outcome. You know, I think of optimism versus pessimism. I, I looked this up in the dictionary, and the definition of optimism is this. Optimism is simply confidence about the future or a successful outcome. It's confidence. It's believing that something good is going to happen. And you know what? I would say, spiritually speaking, the definition of optimism is an unwavering expectation that God will do something powerful in the midst of my most difficult situations, and he will use it for my good. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans 8.28. He said, For we know that in God all things work for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Now, I want us to read that for a minute. And we know that in all things, 
Not some things, not extremely difficult things or easier things. What he says that in all things, God works them for our good. And so what that means that even in the midst of a difficult situation, God can use that for our good. He can take something that is awful, that is bad, that is evil, that is anxiety-ridden and fear-filled, and he can use that for our good. And so listen, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, you can have a positive attitude because you know that God is in control. God's in control in the broken relationship. God's in control uh, with the impossible boss. God's in control on your financial setback. God's in control of all things. And when we begin to trust and believe in that, when we change our perspective, God can do the miraculous in our life. Now, you might be thinking, like me, okay, so in theory, in, on paper, that's really good. Okay, so be positive. <laughs> okay, great. So then, but then, anything, if you're anything like me, which I would say maybe some of you, if not all of you are, you begin to think, okay, I, I can believe that and I say that, but all of a sudden, I have a tendency, my mind starts to go, and it goes to the negative. Well, what about this? What, what happens if I make this decision? What's going to happen in, in this year? What about my job? Or, or what about this relationship? Or what about what's going to happen with my kids? And, and then all of a sudden, my mind is going 100 miles an hour, and all of these thoughts are, are overcoming, and I'm right back into the negative situation, right? And you know, the Bible says that our mind is the battlefield of Satan, our enemy. And what he wants to do is he wants to lie, and he wants to use our mind to work against the plan of what God has in our life. And he tells us lies, and he gets our mind running and running and running. And when we do that, we're farther and farther away from God's will for our life. But I believe that we have to control our thoughts, because what consumes our minds will control our lives. What consumes our thought process and our minds and the things that we allow to, to take over in our minds and in our mentalities will eventually control our lives. Let's look at the Apostle Paul again. Paul, not, he not only talked about this principle, but he lived it. He says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure and lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what does he say? He says, think about those things. Well, again, you're thinking, okay, well, well let's just live that out for, for a moment in my life. Like, when I think of things that are going on, it's really hard to, to think positive thoughts, right? I'm a football fan. I, I love football, specifically college football. I'm a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, and uh, they're in the Big Ten. Well, the Big Ten ain't playing football this year, and that's really, really, really bad. I mean, that, that was a hard thing, and I'm still negative about it. And you say, well, you still have the Falcons. I'm a Falcons fan, but they'll let me down too, right? And they're going to let me down too. So we, it's a no-win situation, but it's easy to go negative. You guys who don't like football, you're like, this is stupid. Let's move on. Okay, I'll move on. The next one is this. I begin to think about coronavirus and the thought of possibly having to homeschool my kids Ever again is the worst thing I could possibly think about. I don't think about pure and lovely thoughts. In fact, I think of evil, ungodly thoughts, hurtful thoughts, thoughts that I want to harm people, specifically my kids, 13, 12, and 8, right? I mean, it's just those things, and we have this tendency to, to go negative, but, but, but think about it in real life. Like, I think about my job that's impossible, Think about that coworker or that boss. I think about being mistreated. I think about all of these things. I think about this addiction. 
And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about how I'm never going to get out of it, how I've never been able to overcome it, how I've never been able to move forward. I'm always stuck. And you see, what happens is, is what controls our mind leads our lives. And so if we're always running with negativity and negative thoughts, the result is not going to be a positive outcome. And so if we're living our lives that says, you know, this situation sucks, or the world's in trouble, or we can't trust anyone, or, or you fill in the blank. We're probably not going to go home that night and say, wow, that was the best day ever. <laughs> We're just not going to do that. And the reason is, is because what controls our minds, what we allow to take over here, directs the way we live our lives. And so my question is, what is it that consumes your thoughts? Is it positive or is it negative? Are you a pessimist at the core, like me? Or are you an optimist? Do you trust that God is in control? Or are you holding on to dear life with all of the control? I'm concerned, I'm worried, the world's falling apart. You know, what is it that drives your mindset? You know, uh, one of my favorite pastors, his name's Craig Rochelle, uh, he said this in a recent sermon that I was listening to. He said, what you feed your mind tends to grow, and what you starve will die. And I think this is so powerful. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. And you see, we need to be feeding our faith. We need to be feeding the things of our faith. What has God blessed you with? How has God taken you from a negative situation to a positive one? What, it, what has he given for you? Thank God for our home and for our food. You know, I drove to church today and I grabbed a pumpkin spice latte. That was six bucks. It was very expensive, but it was delicious. There are people, seriously, in this world that don't have six bucks to buy a pumpkin spice latte. And as a matter of fact, they don't have a car to get there. As a matter of fact, they're starving. And you see, like, perspective. You know, we begin to say, like, okay, what I do in faith will grow. When I trust in God, when I believe in it, when I'm grateful, all of these things, my faith in God will grow. And you see what happens is, is when my faith grows, I'm able to starve the negativity in my life. I hate my job. Nope, don't go there. Because guess what? You have a job. And you have lights on at home. And you have food on the table. I hate wearing a mask. So do I. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Wrong. Actually, you are because you were created by the one who created heaven and earth. You were created by the most holy, most high God who has such a plan for your life. And you see what happens is you begin to say, God, you're in control. My faith in you is unwavering. And I have this expectation that even in the midst of a negative situation that you're going to use it for my good. You see, it becomes easier and easier because our faith gets stronger and stronger. Again, if you're anything like me, let's, let's be real. It's so hard to do. But listen, I promise you, the more that you do this in your life, the easier it will become. The more we do it, it'll, it'll be easier to, to overcome the negativity. We'll move from negative to a place of positivity, right? We move from pessimism to optimism. We move from fear and anxiety and worry and doubt to praise because God is in control. And I think that leads us to our last point today, which is this, is choosing to praise God in the midst of adversity strengthens our faith. And what it does is it prepares us for future trials. Listen, the truth is there's going to be negative situations in our life. 
Like when you think that everything's finally where it needs to be, what happens? Like the water heater goes out, right? Or the car has a problem. Like there's always something. It's literally always something. But what you, what you need to understand is the more things happen, the easier it is to be able to trust and to submit to God. And you might be thinking, well, this is just crazy. You don't know my situation. You want me to be okay with God allowing this in my life right now? Like that's not fair. Or, or this in my life doesn't equate to God's love. And listen, I, I don't know what you're going through. I know what I'm going through. But I do know that God knows what you're going through. And when his word says that he will work all things for the good of those who love him, Christian in this room, what that is is that's a promise from God. And what God's word says is true. He can't go against his word. That's not who he is. It's impossible. And so when he says that all things are going to be worked for your good, that means even the negative situations. And so every time I face adversity, I can trust that God is in control. And listen, here's the result of that, James. James says in in James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's a little opposite of, of what we would want. Because you know, listen, here's why you should be joyful. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature, not lacking anything. You see what it says there is trials equals growth. Difficulty and submitting to God equals maturity. You see, God uses situations in our life to mature us so that when we get to the point where life feels like it's going to be more difficult than anything in this world, we can trust and submit that God is in control. And you see, I think what happens for many of us, even Christians in this room, when we come to this situation and something negative happens, it's a roadblock. And so I immediately have critical thoughts and critical uh, communication, and I'm negative in all things that I do. So instead of choosing to speak words of God and trust and belief, Instead, what I do is I go to the negative, and that's exactly where the enemy wants you. He wants to lie, and he wants to get you further and further away from God's plan for your life. And so the question is, okay, how how do I turn negative to positive? How do I praise in the midst of difficulty and adversity? I think at times that word praise can be a churchy word. In the Bible, we see praise defined in really three different ways. The first is to give thanks. It's a simple saying, God, thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you've given me. God, thank you for a healthy family. God, thank you for fill in the blank. Thank you for food, for a home, for a meal, for a car. Thank you, God. Thank you for your provision and for your blessing in my life. A second way we see it used in Scripture is throughout Psalm, the the book of Psalm, which is literally songs to God. And so praise means to sing so that, that, that could be literally singing praise and worship to God. It would be coming to church and, and partaking in worship and saying, God, you're in control. God, I will not be shaken. God, because you are God, and I'm going to sing and trust and believe that you are who you say you are. Third way is to, just to, simply means to honor and to commend. And you know what? There's nothing more honorable to, to the God of heaven and of earth than to say, God, you're in control. I'm not. You are, and I submit to that. And so in the middle of adversity, God, when I'm anxious and worried and fearful and doubtful, I'm not going to be negative. I'm going to trust that you're in control, and the result of that is positive. 
Not because of any, anything out there, but God, because of who you are and because of your goodness in my life. We'll end with this. Many of you know the story of King David, right? King David was a man after God's heart. He was blessed by God. He was picked by God. And he was supposed to be king. And there was a king in front of him named King Saul. And King Saul saw David as a threat. And so Saul did everything that he could to hunt David down and to try to kill him. And this was shortly right after David slayed Goliath. Many of you know the Bible story where he killed Goliath and he was coming back into town and everyone was cheering on David. David, you are mighty. Saul killed his thousands, but David kills 10,000s. And they're like elevating King David and Saul didn't like that. And so Saul sent his army after King David and David was on the run, fearing for his life. And he ran and he ran and he ran and I'm sure he was so fearful The Bible says that he was holed up in this cave called the Cave of Adullam in Psalm chapter 34. And listen to what he says, running for his life. He says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name forever. You see, David praised God in the midst of, of the difficult situation. Now, do I think that he one day just got there? No, absolutely not. In fact, David, if you know anything about him, he, li- he had a lot of sinful experiences. He had an affair. Uh, he murdered somebody, ordered someone murdered and executed. Like He, was a, he lived in sin, but, but he always submitted to God, and God honored that in David. God forgave David. God used David And so he didn't just get here overnight, but David developed a strong faith. And so in the midst of life's most difficult circumstance, he was able to say, I will praise God. I will boast in him because I know of his goodness, because I know that he will rescue me, because I know that he will exalt me above my enemies. And he said, even if I don't, I know that God is still good. You know, this isn't easy But I'm telling you, the more that you do this, the easier it becomes. It's like they say the Christian faith is a marathon, not a sprint. Does anybody in here like to run marathons? Praise God, neither do I. Good. So, it'll be perfect because we all hate to run, right? Like, good. So, you don't just wake up and run 26 miles. Many of us don't even run at all. I mean, that's probably all of us in this room. But you don't just wake up and run 26.3 miles. You just don't do it, right? But if you hear anybody who's trained for a marathon, what they do is they start with one, they get to two, they get to three miles like many of us, and they quit, right? <laughs> right? They just quit. No, they keep going. And then the weekend, you know, up to a week, they're running 10 miles. And the next week, they're running 15. 15 leads into 20, and 20 leads into 23.6. And so what happens is, is when they're on the marathon, when they're running through, and they get to that roadblock, they get to that stopping point where it hurts, and their shins hurt, and their side hurts, and mentally they're fatigued. They know that they've been there before, and they can get through. They know that I've been here, I've trained for this, I've experienced this, and I know that I can get through this. And you see, that's exactly what it is in our faith. The more that we trust in and depend on God in the midst of our difficult situations, when we get to the roadblock, or when we get to the the difficult situation, or the broken relationship, or you fill in the blank, whatever it is, when we get there, we can say, I've been here before, and God was faithful, and he'll be faithful again, because that's who he is, and that's what he promises me. And so when I move to that position, I'm able to get through, you see, because life and faith, it's a marathon and not a sprint.
You know, my hope for you is that you would see that in the midst of all of the negative things that are going on in our life, we can move from, from negativity to praise. We can move from trying to do things on our own to trusting in the Almighty God. You know what, we might not see the end result today, but one day the Bible says that we will stand, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you'll stand in the presence of God and Jesus, and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in and experience eternity in heaven where everything is perfect. You know, if you're here in this room and maybe you've never done that, you're in the midst of difficulty, or, or, or maybe life's going good for you now, I promise you it won't. But in that situation, what, who are you trusting? And is it yourself? Because when I have a tendency to trust in myself, I usually fail. But my hope for you is that you would see that there's a God in heaven that wants to have a relationship with you, and he, does, he stops at nothing to try to get your attention. And sometimes that's in difficult situations. And my hope is that you would turn to him today and that you would allow him to change you, not only today, but for eternity. If you in this room have put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you please remember that God is in control, that God is in control of your every situation. Instead of going to negative, would you just go to God and say, God, what do you need to do in my life when I submit to you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that's convicting. Thank you that you've been speaking to me in this series and in this message. God, I pray that I would, even more so every day, God, that I would lay my life at your feet and submit to your authority in my life. God, that I would let go of control and instead I would release it to you. God, and there are many people in this room that maybe feel the same way. I pray that you would work on their hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit as well in the same situation. God, in, in the midst of difficult times, it's easy to, to, to experience a whole range of emotions. Would you give your people in this room that are struggling or going through difficult times your peace that surpasses human understanding? For that person in this room, God, here today that's here seeking, they've tried everything else, and God, they need you. Would you make it clear to them that you want a relationship with them today? Lord, we love you and we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.